0: God is good? All the time. And all the time? All right. Now, <clears throat> that was pretty good, but I, I think it could be a lot better. Uh, you know, first service, they kind of have an excuse a little bit because they're half asleep, you know, when they get in here. And so when I go, God is good, they're like, all the time. <laughs> and I said, now, wait a minute. This is the church. The church are the people of God who have been saved by grace by his immeasurable mercy and love, God is good. All the time. And all the time? God is good, good. good. Um, I think we missed the offering. Now as a preacher, I just can't let that go by. <laughs> that just can't happen. Uh, especially right now in these times, as many of you know, our church budget is behind and our fiscal year ends June 30. So we, uh, we have some needs, obviously. I just pray that you will talk with God and just say, God, what do you want me to give? And just give how you feel impressed to give. And so we're going to ask the deacons who are already here and ready to go. <laughs> um, let me ask a prayer, a blessing, and then we'll collect the offering. Lord, we thank you so much for your profound goodness to us. And Lord, we recognize that even what we give to you is hardly anything. But Lord, you take what we have, and multiply it beyond our wildest understandings to further the kingdom of God in our lives and the lives of those we serve here in this community and the world abroad. So, Lord, we give this to you today, knowing that your will will be done. We ask in your name. Amen. All right, deacons, deek, please. (laughs) And while they're doing that, we have a surprise for you. We have a surprise. Uh, Today, we're going to introduce to you, if you haven't already heard or seen, our new uh, associate pastor, youth pastor, is here today. And so we're gonna introduce you to him. He's gonna be uh, here for a short time and then back a little later. But Feedy, where are you, Fiti? Feedy, why don't you come on up? And let's give him a Cala Mesa welcome. Thank you. you and um, <clears throat> we are blessed to be able to have Fidi come join our team here, and church family in Cala He is just finishing up at Andrews University with his Masters of Divinity, and he will actually graduate the end of July, or August 1st, I think is graduation day. So he uh, flew down here to meet with the board this last week, and then he's here through tomorrow, so we asked if he wouldn't mind being here and we could introduce him to you. He will uh, go back then to Andrews, and then come back around the 4th of June, and be here till about the end of June, and then go back to Andrews for the month of July to finish a course, graduate August 1st, and then he's back for the next 20 years or so. So, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so, uh, Fidi, um, Fidi has very, a lot of wonderful gifts and talents. He's a talented musician, and uh, he enjoys sports, But uh, I just asked him if he wouldn't mind just saying a couple of words to say hello to y'all before he takes off back to uh, the seminary for a little while.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor John. It's a privilege to be here. I have um, had an awesome worship time, first service, and now it's just, um, this is an amazing church. And I got a chance to see some of the high schoolers uh, over Sabbath school time and the early teens. And this, amazing people. You guys are wonderful. I am privileged to be here um, I'm honored, and um, like I said in first service, you have a dream team pastoral staff, and I am just happy that I can be here and be a part of it. Um, it's good to see some familiar faces in the crowd. Um, I know some of you from uh, various schools, and Andrews apparently, Richard, what are you doing here? <laughs> Goodness. But um, um, yeah, I'm, my name is Fidi Muero. I'm Tanzanian by uh, descent. My parents were born and raised in Tanzania. Um, they emigrated to the United States in the 80s, and I was born up in Berrien Springs. I am a seminary baby. Um, when it's cold, there's nothing else to do. Um, both, both my brother and I are seminary, seminary babies. I have an older brother who's uh, 20, almost 27 and a younger brother who's 15. Um, uh, my parents live in Las Vegas now. We spend a little time in Loma Linda in the early 90's, um, but now they live in Las Vegas and that's where I used to call home because now I call the Calamesa area home. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just really good to be here. I was um, looking at the verse that you have on your bulletin. It says, abiding in Christ, loving one another, serving and bearing witness in the world. and That's basically what I hope to do um, with the young people, with you all, with the parents. How many parents in here have children? Parents, raise your hands high, be proud. Parents, parents, parents. I just, you know, I am (laughs) elated to partner with you in raising up your children to love God and to love people like this, uh, like your uh, mission statement says in this church, like our mission statement says. (laughs) In this church. And um, so thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to be back and to be a permanent fixture. I'm yeah. done moving.
0: Yes. Thank you, CD. Oh,
1: can I, take... I would like to take a photo of.
0: <laughs> got a wide angle?
1: Hope you guys brushed your teeth. Okay. <laughs> ready. It's, it's not that wide, but ready. Three, two, one. All right. Thank
0: you. <laughs> We're still negotiating the signing bonus. We'll get that all worked out. And uh, he makes $3 million whether he comes or not, you know, gets injured on the job. But uh, we are blessed. We're excited, Feedy, about having you come. And thanks for being here this Sabbath so we could start beginning the joy of, of you coming here. So, youth, he'll be here 4th of June, and then he'll be on the water ski trip with you all, and um, starting to do some great things here. Well, I'm just curious, how many of you actually looked at the sermon title in the bulletin today? All right, good. 20, 25? (laughs) We know how many to make for next week, save some money in the budget. (laughs) No, I'm just curious. Now you're all looking. What was that? What is it? I'm just curious. If you look at the sermon title today, I wonder how many of you looking at it go, ooh, ooh. Maybe maybe some wounds from the past kind of started, oh, ooh. Perfection. Growing in perfection. Now that just sounds hard. That just sounds impossible. And that just sounds like um, maybe some some pain I experienced maybe growing up in the Adventist church. You know, perfectionism is kind of a scary thing. It's um, not just sometimes within Adventism, other denominations as well. Um, you can have perfectionism apart from spirituality. You know, you're, you're, I'm not going to ask you to confess today. We can do that in my office this week if you like. But if you would, uh, you know... I, are any of you this way? It's like, if I can't do it all, I won't do it at all. If it's not going to be done exactly right, I'm not even going to try. You know, a little bits of perfectionism there. Um, I wrestle with some of that, which is why I never get anything done. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I get some things done, but there's a lot on my list that I don't get done versus what I do get done, and uh, I wrestle with some of that. But Jesus seems to be giving us a command in the Sermon on the Mount that seems impossible and highly unlikely to happen. It's one of the most controversial verses in Scripture of what Jesus said. Perfectionism is a, can be a scary thing too. I remember going to La Sierra University for my undergrad work, and I remember sitting in a class with Bailey Gillespie in New Testament epistles, and he was talking about Perfectionism. And he was talking about meeting a gentleman who told him that he was perfect. He told Dr. Gillespie, He says, I am perfect. And he said, Really? He said, So you don't sin anymore? And he said, No, I don't. And Dr. Gillespie said, Wow, you must be a little proud. He said, I am. (laughs) He goes, All right then. He just wasn't going to go any further. Jesus is sitting on top of the mountain in Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew intentionally sets up the scene in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Jesus, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and then he began to to speak. Matthew is setting the scene in a very specific way. Matthew did not say, and Jesus went up to a mountain. He went up to the mountain. The definite article, the, is very important here because he's liking it to somebody in the Old Testament who went up to the mountain. Who who might that be? Moses. The leader of leaders For the people of Israel, for the people of God, the one who went up to the mountain and heard God speak and got the oracles, got the commandments, got the law, got the direction from God and spoke to the people. And so Matthew, in his writing of this gospel, is telling the people, He, Jesus, is the King of Kings. He is your Lord. He's the one that you have been wanting and looking for. He's the one who, when He speaks, you listen and you obey. And so Jesus went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Exactly what a king would do. Sit down, your subjects come to you, and you speak, and they listen. And so Matthew has intentionally set the stage for the Sermon on the Mount, for the ways of the kingdom, for the way the program of God works in the lives of people and it's quite opposite than what humanity is used to living in. In fact, much of it is absurd. It's very abnormal in comparison to the society. Jesus lived in a time in which lines were being drawn. Who's with the Romans? Who's not with the Romans? Who are the highly spiritual elite? Who are not? Who are the Gentiles? Who are the rich? Who are the poor? The lines were being drawn. Not unlike our society today. Many lines are being drawn. Who's on what side? Who's being affected by the economy? Who's not? Who's losing their jobs? Who's not? Who's supporting the new administration? Who's not? Who's supporting the border control? Who's not? Who's supporting. And Jesus says, all these lines don't matter because God has no favorites. The end of chapter five, where I want to focus today, is the climax of all the antithesis statements of Jesus in Matthew chapter five, where several times he says, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said about this regarding anger, but I say. You have heard it said about adultery, but I say. You have heard it said about oaths, but I say. You have heard it said about retaliation, but I say. What the king says is the only thing that matters. And so then in verse 43, Jesus says again, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet... Only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus uses this word love several times. You shall love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Love. This word love that he uses is a word maybe some of you have heard before. It's the Greek word agape. It's not the philia love, the brotherly love, the warm, fuzzy love, the affectionate love. It's not the eros love, the erotic love. It's not the other types of love that the Greek uses. It's this word agape, which is not necessarily a warm, fuzzy word. It's a tough love. It's a love that loves in spite of not even feeling like you want to love. I want to ask Jesus someday when we finally get to see each other face to face. When he was on the cross and after he'd been spit on, after he'd been slapped, after he'd been crucified to the cross, after he'd been mocked and ridiculed, when he loved, did it feel warm and fuzzy? Or was it a deep love of commitment, no matter what? I was uh, driving in my car a few years ago with my kids. <clears throat> you know, if you ever want accountability in your life, have children. <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. We were in my car and I had Andrew and Alana in the back seat <clears throat> and a friend of mine who's, who writes a lot of songs, had sent me a, a song that he was working on that he was wanting me to listen to and, and put some guitar tracks on for the song. So I had it in my car and I was listening to it as I was driving around just to kind of get it in me and get a feel for it and stuff. The song was called Love Changes Everything. And it talks about how when we love, it changes everything, no matter what. If we really love, even if it's not a warm fight, even if we don't feel like loving, but we love because God loved us, it changes everything. So I'm listening to the song. I'm singing the chorus. Love changes everything. I'm, you know, I'm singing. I'm listening to it. And out of nowhere comes this crazy driver. Comes flying by me, cuts me off to where I almost completely had to swerve. Comes in, and then I see him zigzagging. This is Now, granted, this is not on the freeway. This is on the street in town. And I was going about, you know, I was going the speed limit. So um, (laughs) let's see, roughly, he was going probably a good 40 miles an hour over the speed limit. Or whatever I was going, he was going 40 miles an hour faster. And immediately, what do you think I did? It's time for me to be God. It's time for me to hold this person accountable. Because where's the police when you need them? Where are they? I'm going to have to take care of this situation. You ever feel like that? Yeah? Come on. Those of you who aren't saying yes, you you know. Nothing stirs up the heart like a driver who's driving radically in unsafe ways, especially when you have children in the car. And so I began to speed up a little bit. I began to work my way through traffic because I was going to tell this person, you don't drive that way when there are kids nearby. (laughs) So I stalked him. I followed him. And then it was, you know, a thing of the spirit. And my children said, Dad, what are you doing? (laughs) And I said, well, I'm just following this guy who's very irresponsible. (laughs) Well, why are you doing that? Because somebody needs to help him. (laughs) Well, why are you driving so fast? (laughs) It's not safe, is it? All these questions start coming. And then then I don't remember which kid said it, but they said, Hey, Dad, what's this song say? (laughs) I'm listening to a song that says love changes everything. I'm singing it. I'm trying to marinate in it. It's hard to love sometimes, isn't it? It almost seems impossible. Now, just so you don't worry about how things ended up, I took care of them really good. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I, I went on, I calmed down, and I went on home. But I didn't like what I saw in myself. I didn't like that I responded in that way. Now, again, this was 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a long time ago, but... Not within the last couple of years anyways. But uh, isn't that amazing how we can even be thinking about love? We can be really singing it even, and then somebody does something, and it's hard to love. And Jesus says, love your enemies. He says, when you love your enemies, not just the people who are easy and convenient to love, but when you love your enemies, you show yourself yourself to be children of the Father because you know his love. And when you live in God, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just like these young ladies did and Wyatt did earlier. I praise God for their testimony today that it's all about being born again. It's about being transformed. It's about being a new creation in the Spirit that no matter what DNA we have in us because of our biological parents are not good and bad, there's all mixed in there, that with God, transformation is possible. That new creation is everything and that we can actually grow in loving like the Father loves. That's why Jesus goes on and he says, love like your Father who sends out the rain to everybody, who gives the Son to everybody. He doesn't say Oh, man, they really ticked me off yesterday. No rain for you. No sunshine over there in Calamasa because somebody really upset me. They rejected me. He gives his sun to all. He gives his rain to all. He gives life to all. Now, is there anybody here this morning, I just need to know, is there anybody here who entered the kingdom of God because they deserved it? There's not one of us here today, not even the preacher, who can say, I got in because I earned it. I got in because I was so good and so perfect. I got in because Jesus made it possible to come in. I got in because God's love is so profound that he hunted me out to show me how much he loved me and said, you don't have to be perfect before you come in. You come in and let me transform you. And you can grow in perfection. Now let me get to this word that Matthew used for perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This word in the Greek is teleos. And it really means, it means this. Let me illustrate it. It means a progressive movement to an end. It means a maturing process. In fact, it's actually in the future tense when Jesus says this in the original language. You will become perfect. Not in the sense of not sinning, but perfect and being complete in loving your enemies, in loving like God does, we will grow and mature. It's like this. Um, Being that Lisa and I moved into our home back in end of August versus September, we visit a certain empire regularly. It's called Home Depot. They seem to have the right tool for the right job. And we always have a lot of little jobs we've got to get done. Uh, in fact, you know, we're getting ready to do our backyard. It's just weeds and dirt. So if those of you who need community service would like to sign up in the back, we've got some digging and different things. I'm just kidding, don't worry. But if you really loved me, you would help out. Um, but it's like this. Let's say I have a a screw that I just don't have the right size screwdriver to really get. I'm I'm using one and it keeps stripping and it's not getting the right grip. So I have to go down to Home Depot and I have to go buy a new screwdriver and I find the right one. It was made for that screw specifically. And so I take it and I go home and I I put it right on there and it fits like a glove and I'm able to do the job just perfect. That screwdriver was meant to tighten that exact size of screw head. What this word is saying is that our true identity, who we were created to be, are people who are loved by God and who love like God. That's who we are created to be. To grow in loving like God does. And we all have people in our life that um, hurt us, who cause us pain, maybe emotionally, maybe even spiritually maybe even physically. And Jesus says, love. But it's hard to love. I don't feel like loving sometimes. When people hurt me, what do I do? I I keep my distance. You don't go close. What did Jesus do? He went close. He went close to love like God. When uh, I was a young father, I still like to think I'm a young father, but when I was a young father, remember one Sabbath morning, my kids, they were a lot smaller than I think Angie was about a year and a half or so, maybe two years. And it was one of those Sabbath mornings where you wake up and you're like, yeah, it's Sabbath, you know, we're not going to work. We're going to come. We're going to, let's all get in mom and dad's bed. And we all got in and we're all cuddling. And I remember, you know, when you want to get close to your, to your little little boy or little girl and you get up and you want to rub noses, you know, and, and just have those moments and we were having this wonderful, loving, intimate moment. And all of a sudden, I realized my son had a great right hook. <laughs> <It's> whack. <laughs> like, oh, man. I mean, I literally, I went back on my back. And I was like, wow, that really hurt. And, of course, I wanted to go closer again. But I was a little hesitant because <laughs> I didn't want to be hit like that again. Isn't it just like that sometimes when we want to get close to people, we end up getting hit. Something happens. They say something that wounds us. And they might not even know that they said it, but it wounds. And so we, ooh, I don't want to go there again. But Jesus says, love your enemies. You don't have to feel warm and fuzzy about it. Love. Love like your father loves. Love and forgive. Grow, mature, mature. Into this love, therefore, as your heavenly Father calls you to be perfect in this love. You know, it's all about the kingdom of God. All of this life is about the kingdom of God. There is nothing else that will stand the time of eternity but the kingdom of God. There is no other ruler who will rule for eternity than God. The issues I face in my life, the places of tension, the places where maybe lines are drawn with enemies, it's all a kingdom issue because it's either God's kingdom or my empire. And when it's my empire, I have enemies. When it's God's kingdom, I can love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Thank you that you called us into your love. Thank you that we get to be loved by you. And thank you that you call us to mature in such a way, to be all that you've created us to be, to love like you, our Father, loves. I pray for some of the tough spots in our life, Lord, where maybe some lines are drawn. I pray, Lord, for your grace as our master who showed us how to cross those lines and love. Maybe even in spite of how we're feeling. And Lord, if we get hurt again, give us the grace to keep loving. But Lord, keep us. Keep us abiding in you because we cannot do this in our own strength. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. For we want to grow in perfection. We want to grow in being the lovers that our Father has made us to be.
2: He took my sins and and my soul. soul.
0: I want to invite the young ladies who are baptized today to come on up front. We have their uh, certificates for them. So we can testify today that God is good. That's right. And uh, we praise God for your guys' testimony, your faith, And being bold today to show us your love for God and to encourage us to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask Pastor Isaac to just have a prayer for them as we bring the service to a close. Let's pray.
1: Father, our hearts are filled with joy as we are here with smiles on our faces like I'm sure you are with all of heaven knowing that these young ladies have accepted your son as their savior and father we uh, as a church family commit to being good mentors and fellow journeymen and women in our walks with you that we may encourage one another and support one another in our daily walk and i pray for each one of these young ladies and for Wyatt from from earlier this morning that they will continue to grow and mature, and be lovers of their Father in heaven. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. I
0: want to encourage you to go this week in the love of the Father and love the world around you like your Father loves you and loves them. God bless you.